born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Verse 30, And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and says, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call Simon, whose surname is Peter, who is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner, by the seaside, when he cometh, shall speak unto Did the Lord know exactly where Peter was? I mean, the Lord knew exactly where he was. I mean, you stop and think about it. The Lord told on him. He says, I know where he is. You send somebody there, and, um, and he'll come. Now, the Lord had to work a, a number on Peter because he was a, a proud Jew. And uh, he I will not. I will not eat anything that's unclean. So the Lord had to give him an illustration, and he finally saw that. That's over there in verse 9 of chapter 10. You can read that later. But now notice what he says here. In verse 33, he says, Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. So here we are. We're ready. Give it to us. Whatever you're here for, do it. And so Peter opens his mouth and begins to talk. And he talks to him about how God is not a respecter of persons. That God loves the Gentiles just like he does the Jew. He goes down and tells them about Jesus and what had happened to him. He goes all the way down through here and he says in verse 39, And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To, now get this verse. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. So anybody believes, God not a respecter of person, Jews or Gentiles, and so while he was talking, verse 44, Peter yet spake these words, The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. It didn't fall on the unbelievers. Those who heard the word and they believed, then they received the Holy Spirit. And 
they were able to speak in a language which was for the benefit of the Jews that had gone with Peter to the household of Cornelius. And so it says in verse 46, And they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So that means it wasn't an unknown tongue. It was a language because they understood that they magnified God. Unknown tongue, you wouldn't know what he said, but they did understand. And so these Jews went with them, with Peter, and they saw this. And so God allowed them to speak in their language so that they would understand that that the Gentiles truly, that believe on the Lord, receive the Holy Spirit just like they did. But Peter got in trouble. You know the head honcho back there in Jerusalem? They didn't like this. And so word got out. You know, did you hear about Peter? He went to a household of, of the Gentiles. Shame, shame, shame. So they had to have a meeting with him. So look there in verse 1, chapter 11. And the apostles and the brethren that were in Judea heard the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were there contended with him. Hey, hey, what's going on? What did you do? What happened? And so he says in verse 3, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised and did eat with them. That's what they said about him. Peter, you know better than to do that. In verse 4, But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa. I was praying. And in a trance I saw a vision. Certain vessel descend, and it had a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Rise, Peter, slay and eat. But Peter knew, he's not supposed to eat things that's unclean. Some of those animals were not the right kind of animals. I mean, he'd been taught that in the law all these years. Now the Lord says, Rise up, Peter, slay and eat. He says, I will not. So the Lord had to deal with him. So he says there in verse Eight, but I said, not so, Lord, not so, Lord, not so, Lord. What does it mean, Lord? Lord is master, not so, master. <laughs> he says later, he says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? But he says in verse 9, but the voice answered me again from heaven, what God hath cleansed thou shall not call common. And this was done three times because he was hard-headed and he didn't get the message the first time. So anyway, he's off to Caesarea, and now he rehearses to them and tells them what happened. Now what happens is very important because most people never catch this. So in verse 12, And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren, so these are six Jewish men, accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Who shall get this? What was the reason? What was the purpose? Who shall tell thee words? Whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. So a man is saved because he hears the word. In verse 1, they received the word of God. So that means Peter preached the word of God. And they heard it and they believed it. So he made the statement that thy house shall be saved. So is it about salvation? Yes, they were saved. Now look in verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. When was the beginning of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? 
When did it happen? When's the first time it happened to the Jews? Nobody knows, and I just told you. Pentecost. Don't be afraid to talk. There's nobody back there with a gun going to shoot you. You're not going to die. So he says, um, this is the same thing that happened to us at the beginning. So we know when the beginning was. And so he says here in verse 16, Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And that did not happen until, in Acts chapter 1, ten days after Jesus had told them, and then it says, You have been baptized with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and verse 33. So it's there. And you know when it began. Now it's Gentiles been baptized by the Holy Spirit. So what were they baptized into? Well, the Bible says into his body. In other words, if his body was on the cross and you're placed inside of that body, it was like you were on the cross when Christ died. And he died for you. But it also forms a body of believers. So Jews and Gentiles, something new had never been done before. Now you go over there to chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you're boogieing over there. You're rushing right now, and you are there. This is on page 1223, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. Look in verse 12. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit... Are we all baptized into one body? Whether we be what? Jews or Gentiles. So you're in the body of Christ, Jews, Gentiles. The day you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were baptized into the body of Christ. That's why there's no commands in the Scripture to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Every person who believes on Him will receive the Holy Spirit. He places you into the body of Christ. That's something God does. You don't do that. Remember John said, John the Baptist, I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you. So you are baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's not something you do. It's something he does. He places you into his body. He paid for your sins on that cross. He was your death payment. So it's put to your account. So that means all believers from the day of Pentecost until the rapture are all part of the body of Christ. Look in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1. The book of Ephesians and chapter 1. Now this is in one of your, uh, in your books, in your notes there, the scripture. Those other ones are not there. I hope you wrote those down anyway, which I know you did. In Ephesians in chapter 1, uh, look what he says here in, uh, let's see, what's the verse that we want to look at? Verse 22. And hath put all things under his feet, gave him, Christ, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his what? Body. So if you, we're the body, according to those two verses, who's the head? Who's the head of the church? Christ. He's the head. We're the body. So the body is supposed to be in subjection to the Head, right? That's what I think we're supposed to do. Supposed to be in subjection to the head. So you have here about the body. We are the body of Christ. So in the verse 23, we are his body. So therefore, 
every individual who trusts Christ as Savior becomes a member of the body of Christ. Now, you may be in the body of Christ because you trust Christ as Savior and never be a member of a local church. Is it possible to, for people to be members of a local church and not be a member of the true church? Yes, because you can join a thousand churches and still be as lost as a hound dog on the end of a soup bone. You still must trust Christ as your Savior. And that's what puts you into His body. That makes you a member of the body of Christ. So when Christ comes back to get His children, it's not going to be a mutilation where He takes an arm and a leg. He's going to take the whole body. He's taking every believer's. Here I come, ready or not, and you're going to be taken up to meet the Lord. And so we know when the church started. Now, some people say it started later uh, with, uh, in the book of Acts because of chapter 9 and the apostle Paul, because a lot of things about the church was revealed to him. But we're talking about when it started. It did not start with the apostle Paul. He gave a lot of truth to the church. And so forth. there's a lot of things that are true. But when did the church start? When did this baptism of the Holy Spirit first take place? Well, it says back there when it started, at the beginning. And the Gentiles baptized, also Jews and Gentiles, into the body of Christ. So this is what I believe is a very important thing. Now, in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5, look at Ephesians chapter 5. In verse 25, it's telling us about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you are filled with anger, it means anger controls you. If you're filled with jealousy, jealousy can control you. If you're filled with love, love can control you. And if you're filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit can control you. So when he talks about being filled with the Spirit, it means let the Holy Spirit control you. And that's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment experience. Walk with the Lord. So that's what he says in verse 18 of chapter 5, where he says, Be not drunk with wine, that means under its influence, but under the influence or be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So down in verse 25 he says, Husbands, love your wives, because it's going to take the Holy Spirit in your life to do this. But anyway... And even as Christ also loved the what? The church. And gave himself for it. The only reason that we are in the body of Christ is because he loved us and he gave himself for us. Look in verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it, the church, with the washing of water by the word. That's why he wants his children to come to church on a regular basis so that you sit under the flowing word of God, and it's to help keep your life clean by reminding you and warning you and feeding you and rebuking you. That's what the word of God does, so that the church stays strong. When you hear people say, I don't need church, I don't need church, I don't need no preacher telling me what I can, then they don't believe God. God says you do. A person says, no, I don't. That means that's pride. That means that, that person has set himself up over God. He knows better than God what's best for his life. What about the impact you're supposed to be making in the lives of other people? Is that supposed to be done? You're supposed to influence others? I think so. Look what he says in verse 27. That he might present it, the church, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. 
Now, in our new birth, it's perfect. It's righteous, just, and holy. But God wants us not to be ashamed when he comes. The book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, when he says, My little children abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, notice what he says in verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, because Christ loves his body. And who is his body? That's us. We're the body of Christ. And he loved us so much he was willing to die for us. So notice what he says. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man has ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and shared it, even as the Lord, the church. So the Lord wants to nourish his church and strengthen his church, feed his church. And this is why he has shepherds to do the work for him. That's why we have a responsibility. We're supposed to be trying to help you to become more like the Lord. And sometimes people won't come so we can talk to them because they're afraid. <laughs> he might tell me to straighten up and fly right. He might t- point to me and say something that I'm doing it's wrong and I don't want to. And a lot of people just shy away from him. They don't want the word of God because their ears are dull of hearing. They don't want, they don't want to hear it. And sometimes we talk to people, ah, don't, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. And that's just the way it is. But look, look what he says. In verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So we have it in the Bible, what God says about this body of believers. Now turn it over there to the book of Thessalonians, the book of 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4. You probably have never even heard of this before. Well, maybe. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, look in verse 13. Verse 13. The Lord says there's a day coming when it's all going to be over, and he's going to come and take his body, his bride. We are the bride of Christ, and he's going to take us to heaven, and we're going to be dressed in the righteous acts of the saints. In other words, God's going to dress us in all these jewels that we have coming because of what we did for the Lord here. It depends on what kind of glory you have there. And every man's going to receive his own reward according to his own labor. And there's your diary that you're going to have, and you're going to go to the wedding. So every one of us is going to be different because God knows everything that every one of us has done. And we're going to be judged, rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. So that means he's going to come down and get us and take us up there, and we'll all be there together, the whole body. Now notice what he says in verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That's those who've already died. So since, you know, the day of Pentecost, was a lot of people trust the Lord, and a lot of people are dead. There are probably more people that have trusted the Lord and are dead than there may be that are still living. But now notice. Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. In other words, we sorrow when we lose people, but we know we're going to see them again. So in verse 15, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, he can't bring them with him if they're not up there with him. So to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. So the moment you die here in this world, God calls it sleep. It means that you're absent from the body, present with the Lord. So when the Lord comes back, he's going to bring them with him. And we which are alive, the Bible says, we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and caught up to meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So this is what he says in verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Years ago, Dr. Stanford was speaking uh, at uh, Florida Bible College in Chapel, and he was telling about the time that he spoke at Tennessee Temple Schools up there in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Dr. Lee Robertson was the pastor and the president of the college. And I had been to summer school up there, and I had transferred down to Florida Bible College. And so he was talking about how at one time he had sent about 40 students from his youth ranch off the Bible college, and they went to Tennessee Temple. So he um, was up there, and Dr. Lee Robertson asked him if he would speak in chapel. I mean, a man who can get you 40 students, you want them to have an opportunity to speak. So Ray was Presbyterian. And so uh, Ray had been teaching the Sunday school class at Central uh, Presbyterian Church there in Miami. So um, he really didn't know where Ray was going to come from. He didn't know. But he was concerned, but he wanted to, you know, give him a chance to speak to the chapel. And there's hundreds of students. <laughs> so he introduced Ray, and Ray comes up. Now, Ray's never been to Bible college. He wasn't a doctor. He was just Ray Stanford. He had no degrees, nothing like that. And so, um, and then a Presbyterian, and this is the largest independent fundamental Baptist school in the world at that time, Chattanooga, Tennessee. So Ray gets up there and he says, well, I um, appreciate the opportunity to come and speak to you today. And I know that we're all looking forward to the day when Jesus Christ comes in the air for us, because I believe in the rapture. But I know y'all are Baptists and I'm Presbyterian, but I did want you to let you know that the Bible says that Presbyterians will go to heaven before the Baptists. And he said, he turned around and looked at Dr. Lee Robertson, and he had no clue where he was going with this. And he looked at him, and, and everybody was just silence. Presbyterians are going to go to heaven before the Baptists. Because the dead in Christ shall rise first. And they, and they erupted. And so everything was fine. It was cool. Because he was just letting them know that he thinks the Presbyterians were dead. <laughs> anyway, it was a, a great exciting time. Great exciting moment. But when you read down through here and it says in verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. This is some of the best news in all the world. So there's a beginning and there's an ending. It starts with the day of Pentecost. It ends when the rapture takes place. And by the way, have you got the email of when the rapture's taking place? I didn't send it out yet. Oh, when I find out exactly, I'll send it out to him and let you know. All right?
Thank you. God bless. Look up here. I know this is something y'all have seen before, but you can see it one more time. Let this hand represent you and me. And the wallet represent all of our sins. God says that he loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And I'm so glad of that. God loves me. But he doesn't like what I do wrong. Doesn't like what you do wrong. And to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. I want people to know there's a place called hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. And God says nobody's perfect, nobody's righteous. Because of sin, see, we can't get in. So God says you cannot earn eternal life. You can't work your way to heaven. It's not by your good deeds. You see, you don't have to join a church to go to heaven. You don't have to give money to go to heaven unless you gave it here. No, that's not true. You don't have to give money to go to heaven. Uh, there's nothing you can do by your good deeds that will get you into heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because he loved us and hates our sin, he took it, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, and said that if you and I, if we would believe it, he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. Now that's the best news in all the world. If I offered you my wallet and you accept, you'd have an empty wallet. If I offered you my watch and you accept it, you'd know what time it is. If Christ walked in here right now and offered you eternal life and you accept it, you would have eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it would last forever. And if it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know you're going to heaven before you die? Yeah, boy, that's the best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, friend, I can't think of a better time than right now. You don't have a guarantee that tomorrow will ever come. But why not right now? In the quietness of this moment, just between you and the Lord, just talk to the Lord and say something like this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I've done things wrong, but I know you love me. And you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die to pay for all my sins. And I believe he did it for me. And I'm going to trust him right now to take me to heaven whenever I die. And friend, God said, if you would believe that he did it for you, he'd put that payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. Would you believe that? If you're making that decision, I'd like to have prayer for you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or anything like that. I don't want anything from you. I just want you to receive the free gift of eternal life. And I like to know it because I like to have prayer for you. And I do it with heads bowed so that you're not put on the spot. Is there anyone at all this morning say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me. I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die. And I'd like you to pray for me in closing. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? If you've never done it before, but you'll do it right now. Just slip it up real quick. Anyone at all? Yes, God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? You can slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. There's no gimmicks to this, no tricks to it. I won't probably know your name. I just want to know that what I said made sense to you. Anyone else before we close? Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. 
We're thankful for the free gift of eternal life. We ask your blessings upon the individual indicated by an uplifted hand that they will trust you as Savior. By doing so, they become your child, and you'll never cast them out and never lose them. And that, Father, because of all that you've done for us, we're to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Lord, we want to be used so that others can hear the gospel. Thank you so much for this ministry and all that it stands for and its rich heritage. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.